Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Kick off your future with the law firm of Condori and Murad. They'll help protect your assets, update your will and trust. Schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit kmlawyers.com and mention the show to score yourself a discount. That's kmlawyers.com. Just had a call from way out, down way in the distance over yonder. Mm-hmm. I think that's how it was. In the great beyond, it. yeah. I can't be more descriptive because I still don't know where it was. But he was listening on the Odyssey app, and it seems like a good reminder to let you guys know that you should all have the Odyssey app. It is a great way to listen to the show. I listen to the station every single day on the app. Really, really, really nice features, including pausing and rewind and listening by chapters uh, that are labeled for you throughout the show. It's really, really cool. So download the app. Listen that way. It is a good way to do it. On the line right now is Odyssey NFL insider Mark Schlereth. Insider calls are brought to you by Old Spice, Men of Skin 2, Mark is also the host of the Stinkin' Truth podcast, covering the entire NFL. Make sure to follow the Stinkin' Truth pod on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Mark, good to talk to you. Which of the two championship games this weekend do you think ends up being closer and more competitive? Um, that's a great question because I think I could see both of them being really close and competitive. But if I had to pick one, I'd say it's the uh, Kansas City-Baltimore game. Um, two great teams, obviously two great quarterbacks. Um, one thing, you know, like you go back to the Buffalo game in Buffalo, and I think to myself in the fourth quarter, like Josh Allen is not going to out Mahomes Mahomes. So at some point, you know, you got to take your quarterback off the high dive and do what you're doing for three quarters. So it's one of those things that I just look at and kind of scratch my head. But Mahomes keeps you with the opportunity to be in a game every game because he's just that good. You think about like there's a line from a movie. I can't remember the movie, but I like the line. It was uh, like the miraculous happens all the time. We just grow used to it. And, you know, you look at Kansas city, Mahomes started the first year. He was a starter was 2018. He's been to the AFC championship game every freaking year. Yeah. 
since then, six straight AFC championship games. And it, that's sublime. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And yet we've just kind of grown accustomed to it. So I think that one's going to be tight. I like Baltimore in that one, but uh, I think it's going to be tight. Well, you mentioned Buffalo, Mark. During that time, they've won pretty much almost 12 games a year on average with very little to show for it in terms of postseason. And I was talking to a buddy the other day who's he's actually a Giants fan, but he was saying about Buffalo, he's like, you know, how, does, how should we view that? And I'm kind of going, they just happen to be in the league when Pat Mahomes is in the league. That's kind of the end of the story, right? I mean, how, how should we be viewing Buffalo yeah. after another failure, quote-unquote? Well, I, I think the I think the big thing for me is I, I kind of lived it in, you know, in my years in Denver where – Elway had drug teams to the Super Bowl. I mean, drug them to the Super Bowl and couldn't get over the top, and they got absolutely bludgeoned in those Super Bowl games until Mike Shanahan came in and said, hey, man, I'm going to take that pressure off you, and I'm going to build a great football team around you, and I'm not going to make you play on the high dive, so to speak, every game, all game. We're not going to rely completely on you every single game. And, you know, then you won back-to-back championships doing it that way. Now, Elway was older, but... I will say, like, when when push comes to shove, they revert back to Josh Allen, go save us. Josh Allen, make a play. Josh Allen, do something spectacular. And he did, don't get me wrong, but, you know, you get a you get a touchdown pass that he has an errant throw because he gets bumped. Or you, get a, you, know, you get another long bomb that he throws about 65 yards and puts it in the breadbasket of digs and he drops it. Um, I just, like, I don't buy into that. Hey, just go win it for us, quarterback, uh, especially when you're playing against Pat Mahomes. So that's one of those coaching things to me is you can't make a dude play on the high dive every single play of the game. I just don't, I just don't think it's fair, um, and I don't think it works that way. Mark Schlereth on Grant and Danny. Derek Noddy, the nose tackle, the 320-pounder for the Chiefs who helped them stuff the run all year, missed their game with Buffalo. The Bills ran all over them. Now they might be without Willie Gay, who was spying Josh Allen, who they would need to help do the same against Lamar Jackson. I really worry about them defensively against Baltimore, as weird as that sounds. I mean, what would you do to try to draw up a plan if you're without kind of that strength up the middle against the Ravens? Yeah, I listen, I'm I'm not um as concerned. The whole spy thing to me, whatever, like like if you're gonna stand flat foot as a linebacker and think you're tackling Lamar Jackson, good luck, because you're not. So that's one that I just look at and go, okay, whatever. You guys can do that if you want. I think it's a wasted body. I think the biggest thing for Kansas City, and you're right about that run game, and Baltimore poses a threat in the run game because not only do they have the legit run game, but they have the, you know, the, the read zone stuff where Lamar becomes part of that insert part, you know, where you get extra um, numbers in the run game because he becomes the, the ball carrier. So they're really difficult that way. Um, you know, the – the big thing for me is if you can make them be a drop-back football team, like if you can shut down the run, if you can bring extra bodies on first and second down and or run-down situations, if you guess correctly and can do that, and then, you know, basically cage rush Lamar. And you saw Houston do this. They got to him in that first half, and it really wasn't like free runners. It was just kind of the pocket gradually collapsed around him, and then they got him down. Like that to me is how – you have, you know, a, a, a positive effect or if you, you create negative plays for Baltimore, make him beat you from the pocket. Now, I'm not saying that he's not going to beat you from the pocket because he can, but I think that's your best chance to operate. I think Houston did a really good job of that in the first half. He had 54 yards passing in that first half, and it was a 10-10 ball game. 
uh, albeit one score for Houston was a, a punt return. But, um, you know, if you can do that, and, and I will tell you, Kansas City and the back end with Snead and some of the other guys they have, they can really disrupt the passing game. They can disrupt receivers, and that allows your pass rush to get there. So that's kind of the game plan if, if you know, if, if I'm sitting there thinking about it, like I'm bringing pressure, run blitz and stuff on first down, try to get them behind the chains and make Lamar beat them from the pocket. Uh, easier said than done, but that's kind of the way I think about Kansas City's game plan, if you will, to win. Mark Schlereth with us here on G&D. So for, for Baltimore's purposes in this one, Mark, we've seen that they've been so dominant. They've been one of the best teams mm-hmm. really statistically ever. And during over the course of this year, the defense has been so good that offense has really picked up uh, really since like week six or seven or so. If they get down, kind of like you're talking about, right, and it becomes more of a game where they got to drop back and throw and maybe they can't run the stuff that they normally like to, we haven't, have we really seen them be able to come back and win a game like that? That's the only kind of the, 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 the script I would say favors Kansas city the most. Yeah, I think you're right. And ultimately um, one of the big things defensively, they are so good at not only pressuring your quarterback, but the simulated pressures and basically understanding and, and breaking down your protections and battling against them. And, and, and part of what makes them good at that is, They've got linebacker speed and athleticism where they can walk up and make you, when you walk up as a linebacker and you get on a guy who's, we, we call it bubbled in the league, but meaning a guy that's uncovered. You walk up on an uncovered guy, even if you're turning, let's say you're turning weak or you're turning to the left side and somebody walks up as a linebacker, it makes you automatically go man. And they know that. And one of the things they do is anytime you get into these slot formations, they'll bring that edge presence, that that corner that you might be sliding to. They'll walk up that linebacker so you can't slide to them. And then, you know, most of the time you just run in a slant like a little looky and you can complete that ball and it's an automatic 8 to 12 yards. Well, their linebackers can get out from being walked up and actually cover that damn slant. They're, they're good enough to do that, and they're fast enough and athletic enough. So they do a great job of of attacking your protections and basically bringing, you know, bringing simulated pressures. I mean, they're bringing four, but it may be three down linemen and, uh, you know, and a defensive back. And oftentimes, more often than not, that defensive back is a free runner. He's not blocked. And so they're, they're incredible that way. And if you're Kansas City, my thought is going back to, to my time in the National Football League. We didn't like quarterbacks change protections or call the protection. We did it. And so you do it in the huddle, and then you have code words and everything else so they don't know where you're going, where you're sliding. And you live with what you call, and you let the quarterback deal with the guys who become free. But I think it's one way that, that you know you have to attack Baltimore because they're so damn good at it, and they really do a great job of breaking down your protections and attacking them. Mark, what do you see when you look at Detroit? And San Francisco on the NFC side. Yeah, Detroit talented uh, offensive. Their offensive scheme, their ability to run the ball, their personnel. Um, and their personnel is big time. And you know, obviously, Amon Ross, St. Brown in the middle of the football field running the option routes. You got Laporta, who's great at that as well. I think the one big thing that you saw in Green Bay is they got into a, a zebra or three wide sets, and they attacked um, Ambry Thomas, number twenty, on the outside. So. Normally, when you're talking about starting, you've got uh, um, Charvarius Ward, number seven, on one outside, and uh, Diamador Lenore, number two, on the other. Well, when they get into Zebra or three wides, uh, number two, Diamador Lenore, goes into the inside in the slot, 
and they bring in 20 Ambry Thomas and he got torched. I mean, it was, it was one of those that they just, they just picked on him. Green Bay picked on him. He struggled a couple of PIs. He just gave free access to the outside time and time again. I thought, and I had done the last two San Francisco games of the year. So I had broken down like six games uh, defensively that they, they had played. So I was pretty in depth in, in what they had done. And uh, I thought it was the worst game I've seen them play against Green Bay. They did not defend the run. They did not affect the quarterback. They did not. Um, they did not protect the edge of the perimeter of their defense. They did not when they came up to you know crack replace and DBs had to come up and be the edge setters. They did not set the edge, so the Green Bay Packers got the perimeter on a consistent basis. Like Green Bay had their way with San Francisco throughout that game. And ultimately, you know, everybody talks about Brock Purdy struggling. Well, listen, you've got to run the ball. You've got that's what they do, and they set up their play action stuff off of that. They had one possession in the first quarter. And what that does to you as an offense is you start going, hey, a twelve possession game just became a seven possession game. So now all of a sudden we feel like we've got to score on every possession. And you get away from what you do. And I thought Kyle Shanahan had, you know, his worst game plan to me you know, more drop back than I've ever seen. I just thought it was, I thought it was a, a bad job and they, they were fortunate to come out of there with a win. I think they'll clean all that stuff up because I think Kyle Shanahan's one of the best coaches in the league and one of the best play designers and callers. Uh, he calls an incredible, he just doesn't call plays. He calls an offense. And I thought it was a, I thought it, they struggled in that last week. And so um, that's probably one of those wake up calls where you start to realize, Hey man, you're mortal. And uh, we play like that against Detroit. We're going to get our ass beat. To that point, Mark, uh, San Francisco's defense, I was surprised that they seemed to have no answers. And you, and you touched on a little bit of what Green Bay was doing there to them. I, I thought they'd be better against Green Bay and that they would be more of a rock fight. Um, and Green Bay, as you said, kind of had their way with them. I think Detroit's better offensively than, than, than mm-hmm. Green Bay. So if Ben Johnson and company are, are watching that tape, what can they maybe extrapolate and say, we can use some of that against San Francisco? And are they maybe more vulnerable than we're thinking? Yeah, well, I, I would tell you right now, I mean, 20, you know, Thomas has been a, is a liability. And he's about their sixth corner because they've had a bunch of injuries. So I don't know if they want to keep the Amador Lador out there and bring in an extra safety to play nickel. I, like, I don't know what the answer to that is, but they're going to have to have an answer because obviously Detroit can get into three wides and, and do some of the same stuff that Green Bay did. Um, Detroit's got a great offensive line. Again, I will tell you that I thought San Francisco, that's the most embarrassing effort they put on tape, which is crazy that it's a divisional uh, playoff game. They are proud. Like, they play hard. They play well. Their rotation on the defensive line didn't. And I guarantee you Fred Warner and all those guys um, are a bit embarrassed about that performance. So they'll rectify that. I think, uh, you know, obviously Green Bay, you got to tip your cap to them. But I just think the time off um, – you know, week 18, they didn't play a lot. I did the week 18 game. A lot of guys got the day off. So, you know, there was that, and then you had another bye week, you know. and So I just think that they weren't really that dialed in, and um, I think they'll be much, uh, much more ready to play. But Detroit's formidable, man. They're great. Ben Johnson's a great play designer and caller. Um, it's going to be that, – that part to me is going to be a rock fight on that side of the ball. Yeah, we're watching very closely here in D.C. as Ben Johnson is the heavy favorite, obviously, to become the head coach of the Commanders, which feels like it would be a massive get for them. Speaking of the head coaching cycle, it's 75% complete. Another hiring this evening, so two today with Dave Canales going to from Tampa Bay 
to Carolina in the NFC South. And speaking of the NFC South, Raheem Morris back to Atlanta to be their head coach. I'm curious, you know, if a quarter of the jobs were open, eight openings, and despite 25% of the league's jobs being open, nobody says yes to Belichick or to Vrabel, let alone McDonald, who's the hot shot DC of the number one defense in the league, or Slowick, where everyone was kind of falling all over as the playoffs started. What a crazy cycle this has been, huh? Yeah, it always is. And, you know, I, I always think, you know, although Raheem was uh, hired in Atlanta and he's been there before, so he and Arthur Blank have a connection. Raheem is a great coach. He really is. And, you know, he truly – he'll he'll be the first to tell you I wasn't ready when I got my opportunity as a 30-something-year-old in Tampa. I just flat wasn't ready. And, you know, that team wasn't ready either. So – um, but I love Raheem. I think it's a great hire. I think Raheem's a great dude and a uh, really, like, not only a great football coach, but a really good man. So I think it's a great hire for them. Um, but I, I think most of the time, whether it's Belichick or Vrabel or whatever, I think most owners are looking for a young, offensive-minded guy um, that can help develop a quarterback. You know, and, and this league is more and more dependent on your quarterback, your quarterback playing well. And so I think that's what most owners are, are really looking at is who's a young guy that, that can really affect my quarterback. I think Dave Canales, you know, Dave had great success in Tampa this year, took a team that was supposed to win about four games. I think they won nine, and then they won a playoff game. And Baker Mayfield kind of had this, this course correction on his career at, uh, you know, after his fifth team. So um, I think it's his fifth team, Cleveland and Carolina and L.A. and, you know, and now and now Tampa. So I mean, it, you know, it's that that's what they're looking for. I think obviously Ben Johnson's a huge. You know, I think a lot of teams want Ben Johnson, um, and sometimes you just get you, you just can't wait anymore. You feel like you got to make a move, um, especially when it comes to assistant coaches. And that's one of the issues with the late hiring, especially with guys who get this deep, is that a lot of the assistant coaches start getting you know getting picked up, and a lot of the guys who got fired on other staffs that are highly coveted start getting picked up. And so you get late in the process and then you don't have as many dudes to, to, you know, pick from. So you don't get your first choice or your second choice. You have to go to your third choice. So, but I think it mostly is, I want a young guy that uh, is on the offensive side of the ball. Mark Schlereth with us here on G and D insider calls are brought to you by old spice gentlemen's blend body wash, providing exfoliation plus 24 seven moisturization because men have skin too. Mark, what's your Super Bowl matchup? We're just now fans kicking our feet up watching these games. What's the matchup yeah. you're rooting for that you want to see the most? Well, I think it's for me. It's uh, the Baltimore and and San Francisco, and then I'm picking San Francisco. And I thought San Francisco in that Baltimore game on Christmas night, you know, albeit you know they lose through 33-19. I thought they had their way early in that game offensively, the way they set that up. And um, obviously, you, you throw five interceptions on you know, on three or four tip balls, and it's not going to go well for you. But um, I think that's the best matchup. I think those are the two best teams, you know, from a personnel standpoint. So um, that's my matchup. But, boy, I could see – I mean, I could just as easily see it being Detroit and Kansas City in the Super Bowl. So, you know, the the, 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 the game that started the season off on a Thursday night, right? So, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm going Baltimore-San Fran. I'm picking San Fran to win. Mark, we always love having you. Thanks for the time. Enjoy the games this weekend. I think we lost him there. Mark Schlereth. Thank you, Mark. Our buddy from Odyssey NFL Insider Fame. Of course, you can check out his pod. 
the stinking truth as well. Uh, insider calls brought to you by Old Spice. Men have skin too. It's hard to argue with a Baltimore-San Francisco rematch. We just had that game a few weeks ago, and everyone said at that time, wouldn't this be great if this was the Super Bowl matchup? Then the Ravens completely destroyed the 49ers. It was a terrible game. Was that Christmas night, I think? Either, Either Christmas Eve or somewhere right around there. Yeah. But I, what I remember is thinking it was going to be an awesome game, sitting down, and it was over pretty quickly. You kind of walk away. You go eat. It was Christmas night because I remember where I was. You go eat dinner. You come back, and it was 21 points for the Ravens unanswered because Brock Purdy kept throwing picks. Like Every time he put his arm forward, a Raven would catch the football. That was a when everything went for Baltimore and everything went wrong, of course, for San Francisco. But, again, if you're going to pick anybody to, to learn from their mistakes, get in the lab and try to rework it and figure something out and find a weakness or two to maybe try to exploit, I would take Kyle Shanahan probably over anyone else to be able to do that. But they, they were the two best teams all season long. Despite that loss, San Francisco had a historically good. Their, their numbers overall hold up uh, to some of the best teams we've ever seen. It just is very strange to have two teams that are that good, again, like based on – uh, their relative strength to competition and how they stack up historically to be as good as as Baltimore and San Fran have been in the same year to not end up in the Super Bowl together like this th- that to me is the most fun of what we should be pulling for one of the big reoccurring themes of the day here on Grant and Danny that we've been talking a lot about has been the head coaching cycle it's seventy five percent complete six of eight jobs have been filled now two today Dave Canales to the Panthers Raheem Morris to Atlanta I was just thinking about this. The league has for years been trying to get, as we talked about earlier, more minority head coaches hired. Of the six hirings in this cycle so far, four are minorities. I think that doubles the number in the NFL on the sideline. If Gerard Mayo and Antonio Pierce with the Patriots and the Raiders, and then both of the guys today, uh, Raheem Morris with the Falcons, and Dave Canales is a Mexican-American, he becomes the second head coach of Latino descent behind Ron Rivera that the Panthers have hired. But those four guys added to four incumbent minority head coaches, so they doubled the total today. There's always talk about, you know, is this rule, new rule working, or is this going the way it's supposed to? But I would imagine the league will be very happy about that. Yeah, there's there's the the end result, right? Where maybe an individual hiring of somebody, like you can't argue with. I don't know, just pick a name. Like if Mike Vrabel had gotten a job, I don't think anybody's gonna. Freak out about that, right? That's an established head coach. That's a guy that's really good and is well thought of. So individually, you can't usually gripe or or, or Jim get ticked Harbaugh off. to the Chargers makes a lot of sense. There you go. That's a better example. But, but like, if everyone that got jobs was white, and even if they all made sense individually, you go, ah, this this thing we're trying to fix is not being. Yeah. Fixed. So exactly. But then when you look up at the macro and you go, look at the the number. Look the the number's so ridiculous. And everyone kind of goes, yeah, well, we know, and you can't figure out a great process to solve it. This is an encouraging development towards that end. Well, look, I think two things can be true. I think the league should be striving for, and in general, you want that representation, and you want a more diversified collection of coaches and GMs. and In any way that you can, that should be a goal. I also think that you'll want qualified people that are the best for the job to get the jobs. I think everybody thrives when that's the case, and I think what I'm happy about is you know, the Panthers hiring Canales, that's a guy you should hire. He's awesome. The Falcons hiring Raheem Morris, long overdue for a second opportunity. He is a deserving head coaching candidate. Antonio Pierce with the Vegas Raiders. Kind of came out of nowhere this year as a head coaching candidate because nobody had him on their radar uh, going into the season. Look at how he finished as the interim coach. Yep, That was his job to be had. He deserved, he earned that job. Gerard Mayo is the one kind of leap of faith here 
where he goes from kind of some defensive responsibilities under Belichick to now he's got to run the entire building, but he's been around in New England for years. They know him very well. They're obviously very confident in him. Seems like all the players really like him, but you can't argue with not only the process that led to these hirings, but any, whether it's Callahan with the Titans, you went and got one of the best offensive minds in the league. Harbaugh to the Chargers, good luck punching a hole in that one. Yep. He was just one of the, the greatest winners in football over the last bunch of years. So now it's up to the Commanders and the Seahawks to find their guys. They're the last two teams standing. The other big story today was a local one in D.C. sports. Wes Unseld Jr., relieved of his duties by the Wizards as head coach. They have moved him to their front office after a brutal 7-36 and start. We all signed up for this. We all asked for them to bottom out and to start over. I think a lot of us were perfectly happy with the tank. So I'm not mad that they're 7-36, and but it has been an uglier, grosser watch at 7-36 and than we expected. I remember going into the season, everybody's theme was, they're going to lose a lot, but it'll be fun to watch. It hasn't been that fun. Uh, they give up way too many points. They're 29th defensively. They're going with Brian Keefe in an interim coaching role. He coached on a Thunder staff that made the finals going back 12 years ago. He was with Winger and Dawkins in Oklahoma City. Yeah, you, I think you said it very well. I thought they'd be better than this. Um, I thought they'd be like a 25, maybe upper 20s, maybe as many 30 win type season with some offense, but not a very good defensive team, right? When you when you employ Jordan Poole, Tyus Jones, Kyle Kuzma, 60% of your starting lineup already doesn't have much interest in playing defense, isn't particularly good at it, and that's not why they're on the association. It's worse than I thought, and they've been competitive at times. They played with Minnesota, uh, whether it was last night or the night before. I can't remember all the games were together now, but they were competitive for a while, but it was obvious they were going to lose. That's fine. I can live with that. It's just there's something else going on here that doesn't feel particularly right. So I'm fine with the change. I'm not crying over it, but it's just it's just kind of odd that the bad team is bad and that wasn't good enough. All right, let's finish the show with a giveaway of a couple of tickets. Caller number 10, 800-636-1067. You are winning a pair of tickets to see the fan live against 980, February 2nd, Bethesda Theater. All your favorite shows together for a night of off-air on stage uncensored fun tickets are on sale now for tickets and more event information go to thefandc.com slash events this is presented by main street bank cheer local bank local linnell willingham has overtime coming your way next thanks for listening we are back tomorrow for a football friday with detailed previews of both championship games at two o'clock thank you for coming This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 